Getting into college was once a normal teenage rite of passage. Now it's a global Hunger Games. You're competing against the kid at the best school in Singapore. Slate and Panoply are here to help. Our new podcast, Getting In, follows a group of seniors through the college application process in real time. Along the way, the students and listeners will get advice from experts with decades of experience. Getting In, a podcast about demystifying college admissions and finding the right fit for every student. Available in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Sarah Humphreys, the executive editor of Real Simple Magazine, a busy stepmother of two, and an amateur cook who loves to cook and loves to eat but has lots of questions. And I'm Sarah Karnasevich, the food editor of realsimple.com, a professional cook and a working mom who tries to give you all the answers. Welcome to Things Cooks Know, the weekly podcast where the professional cook, that's Sarah Kay, shares insider advice and secrets that the busy amateur cook, that's me, can use in her own kitchen with her own family. We want to start off this podcast by talking to you about why we missed our last week's podcast. <laughs> Just saying, sorry our, for our unexpected absence. Our, our two loyal listeners will be very disappointed <laughs> that we missed a podcast last week, and we wanted to explain why, and also talk about, about how that inspired this week's podcast. Last week, I was on my way to the studio, and I got a call from Sarah Kay. Yeah, a coughing call. Right. I have pneumonia. I'm getting better, but because I would only miss this podcast for reasons of extreme health emergency, life or death. That's why I wasn't here. And so we deemed this an extreme circumstance, and that's why it didn't happen. But we are back and happy to be back, and I'm happy to see Sarah Kay standing with a nice flushed face as opposed to (laughs) deathly white. So this week we are talking about pasta, and we were thinking about that last week before we had to beg off because of the extreme circumstances, thinking about, you know, there are just sometimes life really, really throws you a curveball, and there are just, there's nothing you can do. You have no energy. You have no time to go to the store. You're not going shopping. You're not doing Anything. You just want to put some food in your mouth and in your family's mouth with like the minimum of exertion. What does that mean? You make pasta. Yeah. And so we wanted to dedicate this this entire episode to pasta and not just any pasta, but really, 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 really bare bones, simple. Bare you bones can do this pasta. anytime. Before we started, I just want to talk a little bit about cooking pasta in general. I mean, I think that it, it seems super easy, but it yep. actually is like <laughs> at least I have trouble. And so I just wanted to kind of fire some questions at you, if you don't mind. Yeah. And we're just to be clear, we're talking about dry pasta. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Like the kind that you're going to have in the shelf in the back of your cabinet. Yeah, you're not yeah. taking out the pasta maker. Yeah. So dry pasta basics. The first thing is I know, you do salt the water, correct? Yes. You want to salt the water. And this is really a question of seasoning. The salty water is going to flavor your pasta. Um, and it will kind of just give it a more complex flavor in the end. You don't have to go crazy. And the idea, you know, I think a lot of people say like, oh, well, you have to add the salt to the water. It makes it boil faster. That's that's not really true. It would take such a huge amount of salt to really change that process or, you know, the, the heating point of the water, um, like to a noticeable degree that, no one's ever putting that much salt in their water. But you still want to remember to do it just because it does enhance the flavor. It's one of the, the small building blocks 
that you can do in the process of making your pasta recipe that's going to kind of end up with a more complex round flavor at the end. And I want to discredit the myth about putting the lid on top of the pot uh-huh. because it's real simple. We have said before with scientific research to back us, that covering the pot actually does not make the water boil any faster. I'm with you. I'll... My husband disagrees, and so we have a huge fight about it, but <laughs> I stand by the real simple research and reporting. Is this a case where, like, you, the, the pot is on the stove and one of you takes the lid off and walks away and the uh, other one puts it back I, on? I don't put it on, and yeah. then the next thing I know, there there's a <laughs> lid sitting on top of it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need the lid. I know. So anyway, okay, so you're just you're heavily salting the water, or generous, generously is probably the better word, mm-hmm. and it's boiling, and you're sticking your pasta in, you need to stir it, correct? You want to stir it early in the process after you put it in. That's going to be one of the the main ways that you prevent it from getting all clumpy and sticking together. So within the first minute or so of it going in the water, you want to make sure that you're, you're stirring it well. Um, and, and then in, in terms of other ways to keep it from sticking, I think... Another thing that you hear a lot is that sometimes people recommend putting oil in the water yes, as well I've heard as salt. That. Don't do it. That's actually a no-no. That is not going to do anything except kind of make the pasta itself oily. And that's going to prevent the, the sauce that you're trying to add at the end f- from sticking to the pasta. Oh. So what you get is a, a pasta whose sauce just kind of slides off. Yeah. And that means flavorless pasta. So Absolutely. Instead, um, what you should do is, besides just stirring early in the process, is t- try and time the cooking of your pasta so that it can go right into the sauce that you're making and stir it into it that way. Instead of, you know, we don't want to rinse it. You don't want to do any of that. You just want the pasta to come out of the water and you can use tongs to pull it out or one of those kind of spiders that you right. sometimes use in Asian cooking. Um, All the to, time. <laughs> to lift it out and right into a, the pan. Uh, you know, a wide skillet is actually a great thing to make your sauce in so that you can just kind of ladle the pasta into it once it's cooked. Well, that completely, that negates my other questions because th- that was my thing was then usually what I do is I make the pasta, then I drain the pasta in a colander and it sits there. Yeah getting cold and gummy, and then I'm making the sauce, and then I'm pouring the sauce on top of the pasta. Sometimes I'm putting the pasta on the plate and then laying the sauce on top. And, you know, you end up with this huge kind of like huge tangle of spaghetti that cannot be pried apart. And the only way you can get it apart is with oil. And then exactly is the sliding sauce situation. Exactly. And and the thing, there's another reason that you want to to get that pasta into the sauce as quickly as possible is that hot pasta will absorb more sauce. Oh, good. So okay. once you know, once it starts to cool down, it will stop that that sort of sucking up of the sauce into into the pasta itself. So yeah, it's about it comes down to timing, which can be hard. But like I said, if you're cooking your if you're concentrated on making your sauce and if you can make it in something like a wide skillet where you can just have those two things right next to each other the pot where your pasta is cooking and then the skillet right next to it you can just kind of slide it into there and that way also instead of just draining the pasta into a colander and then you lose all the water that's been cooking mm-hmm. in if you're just lifting it out of the pasta water and putting it into the the sauce you 
it's much easier to remember to reserve some of that cooking liquid if you want to I forget every single that time. Into, yeah. It's the it's the, I forget the pasta water just like I forget when you're making a pie to dot the top yeah. of butter before you put the top crust <laughs> yeah. on every time. But you're right and then and then just by nature of taking the pasta out directly from the water the pasta is still coated in the water and that yeah. will help as well. And then you can, if if you want to put a lid on the skillet that you're cooking your sauce in and and let it cook a little bit more that way or take you know leave the lid a jar or take it off and let it cook down a little, you can thicken it a bit that way too. So even if your pasta is not 100% cooked, if it's like very close to being cooked all the way to the doneness that you like, you might actually want to take it out just a minute or two before and let it finish cooking Mm. off into the sauce. So you get it just precisely the way that you want it. And then, you know, I think some people are like, oh, I forgot to save the so- uh, the cooking liquid, like you're saying, or or like, wh- what do I really need this for? Is it doesn't make that big a deal? Well, the thing about the the water that the pasta has been cooked in is that it's full of starch, and that's the starch from the pasta, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what makes it this great tool because you can ladle that into the sauce, and it can act as a, a thickener, especially if you're making a sauce that has egg in it, um, like a carbonara, that really keeps the egg from getting clumpy and it just makes the whole thing, it gives the whole thing a silkiness. So we kind of know the basic technique and and why the cooking water matters. Yeah. So let's turn to some ingredients. I mean, in this one, you know, we're saying literally come home, say I want to make pasta, open the pantry in the fridge and make pasta. So what are the superstar ingredients that you should just always have on hand and probably do have on hand that you can use in all different ways? Sure. Things that I always have in my cabinet are things like canned chickpeas, white beans, breadcrumbs. These are all things that like you might not necessarily go straight to for pasta. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about red sauces and things like that, but they're all components that with one or two other things can make really hearty, satisfying pasta dishes. Good olive oil, some garlic, onions, obviously, maybe some anchovies. Maybe. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Capers. I mean, these are things that, you know, will be either in your, in your, uh, on the condiment drawer of your fridge or condiment shelf. Right. Or in your pantry. They really have long lives and are super flavorful. So they're all flavor builders and versatile. Um, maybe some, let's see, like in the freezer. I know we've talked about this before. I always keep bacon in my freezer mm-hmm. because that's something you can just slice off chunks of and use a little bit at a time. Eggs. I mean, always, always, always eggs. So these are some of my go-tos. And then you can supplement those with other things that you know aren't going to be in your pantry forever, but some you might have in the freezer, or you might pick up on a weekly basis at the store just because there are things that you know you use a lot. Like mm-hmm. I always have frozen broccoli in my freezer because I have a little kid, and that's one of the things I need to like. start stocking frozen broccoli because I got a declaration from both kids last week that they actually like it, which was a one eighty. Yeah, I, it's just a no fail thing yeah. for us in terms of dinner. I I always get him to eat those so. I have like a huge, huge family sized bag of broccoli all the time. Frozen greens, like frozen kale or chard, or you can buy big bags of those mm-hmm. too. And they're just useful to have around to throw in anything, you know, from a smoothie to pasta. So those are all 
things that can be interchangeably used. Okay. So you've got your list. Mm-hmm. So then we go on to maybe a couple of combinations. I okay. Mean, you've got some so things. So give some, us some of the inspiration. things I just said. So say you have some garlic and some olive oil um, and you saute the garlic uh, in the olive oil in the skillet and you throw in some of that broccoli and you let the skillet get really hot so that the broccoli gets kind of crispy around the edges and it's mm. going to get flavored with that garlic and you throw some um, red pepper flakes in there too and you know maybe maybe you have some sausage left over in the fridge or like um, you can just take that out of a casing and crumble it up with the with the broccoli or you could substitute cauliflower for the broccoli nice. Any, anything like that will work but your basics are a little bit of sausage some charred broccoli some garlic and some red pepper flakes there you go. Sounds so good. Sprinkle some cheese on top. One quick question about that, and, and just in terms of those simple recipes, how much olive oil do you use? You want to, I, I mean, you want to use a good amount, especially if that's going to be like your main sauce. And, right. and, and, but this is another place we're putting, you're going to put some of the cooking water from the pasta in at the end when you're kind of bringing it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're not talking about a tablespoon of right. olive oil here you know like a like a quarter cup or so yeah. I, I just feel like I never yeah. know I'm worried that if I do too much it will just be disgusting well you don't want to be drinking olive right. oil so it's you want it to be enough to coat what you're working with okay so what about those beans I love the idea of canned beans in the pantry and using them in pasta like what would you do with beans same thing I always go back to garlic maybe you might dice up a little bit of the bacon um, for this one a little bit of crispiness so this just as an aside this completely reminds me of the last time we talked about bacon Mm -hmm. which I don't remember when it was but the idea of keeping it in the freezer and just keeping it in a it doesn't matter if it's a big hunk like even if it's sliced up just treat it like a hunk and just slice off the hunk. Don't yeah. worry about trying to separate the slices. And then you just are left with these like little crunchy bits of bacon. That cook very quickly. That cook quickly and just will f- gently flavor. So you just get the hint of that bacony flavor without it really being a bacon pasta. Mm-hmm. The white beans, this would be a great place to use some of that frozen kale or chard. White beans and kale go great together or spinach, you know, any one of those leafy greens. Mm-hmm. Some lemon zest would be really nice. And again, you're just kind of making like a light sauce from the those ingredients and the cooking liquid and a, a little bit of olive oil. You know, if you wanted to chop up a tomato and throw that in there, if you have one last really ripe tomato, you could treat it more like a vegetable than a sauce mm-hmm. and kind of just like let it be in big chunks. That would be nice. That sounds so good. Okay. And for those families who are open to the idea of anchovies. Yes. Yeah. First of all, that's amazing. Secondly, what would you, you know, give me an anchovy idea. Sure. So one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things is this. It's pretty, It's kind of like a classic Sicilian style pasta, which has capers. You basically saute capers, garlic, anchovies and in the anchovies you're not eating these would not be recognizable to right they're picture. like finely chopped right? they're finely chopped and you're yeah. almost like you're crushing them into the bottom of your pan so they like dissolve mm-hmm. and all that you get from that is that like great umami mm-hmm. 
savory flavor. You throw some chili flakes in there, red pepper flakes, again, a bunch of olive oil, lemon juice, lemon zest, and um, you're tossing that all together with your pasta and then you're finishing it with some breadcrumbs. So I love that. But then I would say if I had to pick any sort of desert island pasta dish, one that I could count on to see me through whatever life (laughs) might throw me, that would be your like basic straight up carbonara. And what I love about it is really, it's just things that most of us have in our house all the time and it could not be any more comforting. And I think people have this idea of carbonara as being this like super rich, super heavy. Yeah, I definitely have that idea. dish. And I mean, it is. It is It is rich by all means. But I think that if you make it in kind of the traditional Roman way and not the like kind of gloppy Americanized version of it, it doesn't necessarily have to slow you down <laughs> for like three okay, weeks. Okay, well, I want to hear your version because I my this is my husband's favorite pasta dish. And so almost every birthday I make it for him. And I, I don't even know what recipe I use, but the recipe I use actually takes like some time yeah and it is a gut bomb it is major it weighs like 40 pounds when you put it on the <laughs> tables i want to hear your version well i mean the key is that real carbonara doesn't have cream in oh, it oh well there you go um we it, definitely have cream in ours. it just it's just eggs pancetta or mm-hmm. or guanciale uh which is what you would have in rome which is the cured pork jowl mm-hmm. and, and pecorino and and obviously the pasta but it it doesn't need to have glug 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 glugs of cream in it. Like, okay. You combine those things in the right way, and you're gonna get that silky, delicious, creamy texture without the cream. And it has garlic and, and things like that in it too. But those are your basics. So all you're gonna do is saute some garlic in uh, some olive oil. You're gonna add your pancetta. You're gonna cook it until it's crispy. You are maybe going to add a splash of wine if you happen to be drinking a glass. Yes. White wine. You're going to get that sort of basis of the sauce going. Then you're going to make your pasta. And while your your pasta is coming to a boil, in another bowl, you're going to whisk together some, some pecorino and some eggs. And maybe you could throw in some herbs. You are going to add a little bit of the pasta water to that eggy mixture. And you are going to pour that over your hot pasta along with the pancetta that you've already sauteed. And you're going to just combine them all in the skillet and stir, 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 stir until it all kind of comes together over low heat. You're going to season with salt and pepper and you're going to eat it. Okay. We're going to talk about kind of a, I wouldn't want to call it a recent trend because that would be misleading, a three-year-old trend, would you say? Yeah, I think I think so. I think this is like a 2012, 2013 okay. circa thing. 12 to 13. The idea of one pan pasta. Yeah, we felt like we couldn't not mention this during right. this We'd be broadcast remiss. because this has become such a thing. And this is the service to you, dear listener, if you happen to be the one person who hasn't heard about this before. But uh, I think this idea of making a one pot pasta dish really like came to public consciousness through Martha Stewart. Yes, I, think. I remember she did. They did a great article about it. 
so there was this Martha Stewart living recipe about a one pop pasta that broke the internet, right? Like it made Cri- the internet crippled it. Maybe it didn't break it, but crippled it. I don't um, think it was breakable in those days. It was still and, early. I mean, and, and so here's the thing that is revolutionary about, or was revolutionary about that recipe, and like the very exciting thing that it showed people was that it would. It's possible to make pasta and sauce in the same pan. And I'm not I don't think we're going to go too far into it other than to encourage you to try this method because I think it can be like totally life-changing for people. Can you describe the method briefly because I I don't I'm not sure everybody knows and in fact I don't even remember. I just remember seeing a pot with stuff in it. Basically, you have a big skillet, straight-sided skillet, and you in the Martha recipe it had um tomatoes, pasta. I mean, yeah, you put your tomatoes, your pasta, your onions. I think they had some garlic and pepper flakes in there too. Probably some torn up basil, some olive oil and uh, and some water. I mean, you did put some water in there, but instead of being um, a two quart thing of, of water that you would normally boil your pasta in, I think it was something closer to like a f- few cups. And you bring that to a boil and you let it boil and stir it often you, you, with a fork until the, the, the water more or less evaporates. And so it cooks everything at the same time. And what that does, like we were talking about before, with that, it's this concentrated starchy water now because right. you have so much less of it. And so it, it just, it, that makes the sauce. It all comes together and it becomes um, just like this very silky mass. And you just toss that. You season as you like with salt and pepper. And, you know, you can add a little bit more olive oil or you can... A little more cheese. A little more cheese or maybe some ricotta or whatever you want on top. But that's it. You're basically making the sauce and the pasta at the same time. And you're making the sauce with the pasta water that you're creating by boiling it all together. It's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Finally, we want to talk, as, as it's getting a little chilly out, about baked pastas. Yeah. And the beauty of a baked pasta, which is one more step than a than a five-ingredient pasta. Sure. But it doesn't require any work. I think a lot of the flavor combinations we were talking about before uh, apply in a baked pasta as well. And you can, if you sort of have an idea of how the basic formula for making a baked pasta, you know, again, without a recipe, that can be adapted in all sorts of ways. So I think here's more or less what you want to keep in mind. You have your components. And so if you're going to, put like a firmer vegetable in it, like something like a broccoli or anything like that, even beets or things. You want to par cook them. Right. So you're going to be cooking everything, including your pasta, two thirds of the way before you actually put it in the in the pan to bake it. Yes, you might want to have to prep some of those things ahead of time. But then once you do that, all you're doing is combining those par-cooked ingredients in a baking dish, tossing them with like a fresh ricotta is a great thing, or a mix of that with some olive oil and and a little bit of grated Parmesan for so you have the creamy and the sharp together. And then topping that with a little more cheese and some breadcrumbs so you get that nice crispy top. And then all you have to do is 
once that's all together, you're popping it in your oven at about, you want high heat, so 400 degrees oh, okay. for like 15 minutes because things are already pretty much cooked right, at that so point. Right, so once it's all bubbly. You just and... want to get it all to come together. So you do like 15 minutes at 400 and then you crank it up even higher or put it under the broiler, say, for another few minutes just so it gets that really nice crispy texture on top. That sounds so good. But you don't need a recipe for that. That's the kind of thing right. where you can look in your refrigerator and say, what are the all the little odd bits that I have left over? Or like maybe I have a little bit of bacon left over from Sunday breakfast. Or, you know, I didn't use all of the, the spinach that we were going to have with dinner on Tuesday. So all those things can kind of have new life in a pasta bake. I think that the no recipe cooking is like my next frontier. But I... <laughs> It makes me so nervous. But those sound really good. And I will say, too, that in the October issue of Real Simple, which is on newsstands, I think, this week, there is this baked spaghetti and meatballs recipe that looks delicious. So that's one to check out, too. And you're a meatball family. And we are a meatball family. So thank you so much for joining us today for Things Cooks Know. We'd like to thank our producer, Tim Eininkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on iTunes. And for a million more great cooking tips and tricks and recipes, head to realsimple.com. If you have topics you'd like us to cover next time, you can tweet them to us at Sarah P. Humphreys or at SQ Karn. We'll be back next week.